it's a it's super super strong feelings. I think I think I hadn't expected that winning Tiramila would be that emotional compared to yeah getting good results at at World Champs or anything. It's a, and I think the scenario made, made it made it even better now. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Run In podcast. We have got a fantastic interview coming up with Luca Basset. He is a member of the French uh, national team. He's won loads of world champs and European champs medals, a lot of those in the relay, and he is on top of the world right now i absolutely tell you because he has just won the biggest relay in sweden he's just won tiamila the overnight 10 person relay that is one of the pinnacles of club orienteering especially if you're in sweden but really i mean any orienteering club um absolute a lot of people's dreams to win that and he's managed it and he gives you he he has chatted to us and and given us a very good insight of what it's like to be part of that winning team so we'll be there in in a couple of moments we've also got a bonus podcast that's going to come out uh very shortly with um a whole kind of uh audio diary that hector haynes did of um his experiences at team Mila. so watch out for that one when it drops onto your feed but um it's been a while since our last podcast, Will. So, in a in yes. attempt at brevity, <laughs> I want to. Um, I think we should both pick out kind of a highlight since uh, the last podcast. So, since then, we've had the JK, we've had all sorts of other races, we've had Tiamila. But, Will, what was your personal highlight since the last pod? Oh, my my personal uh, in orienteering or personal life. Because a lot's changed to me in the last <laughs> month. In this, well, it could be, it could turn into a person, Will's personal life podcast. It, it could be but Will's it is personal life. Well, my brother so. got married, so that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, that, nice. that was a good highlight. Um, uh, but in in orienteering, I would say uh, the JK was obviously pretty good for me. You know, two second places, a first place uh, in the long distance, but winning the JK relay with mm-hmm. um, Octavian Droopers um, and Matthew Elkington, Nathan Lawson, you know, three people who have been running together for quite a long time at university and uh, for the same club that was um that was a very nice moment especially after the second leg when our second team was in second place so we had we were one two going wow. on to last leg that was Amazing. a pretty um a pretty special moment to to be able to share that with like quite a large group of people um and finally one of us not either miss punch and or make a huge mistake or do something which I tried very hard to do because I fell over and broke my compass about two seconds after leaving the arena Oof. so uh, <laughs> I tried hard well what but, was yeah, it so that, with that you was breaking stuff I don't know I broke one at Tiamila as well so, <laughs> on, on first leg there so that was a yeah I don't have much luck at the moment um so that's three compasses I've broken in a lot in the space of five weeks oh but, my god there we go <laughs> So it my, was so great to be able to commentate way, on that, that race, good. though, in the arena and see you guys take that win. I mean, that was a pleasure to, to see. I know you've been, like, so close for so many years and then you just, you mm. know, you got there this year and it was it was great. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was pretty cool. And, um, and the fact that none of us have had ideal build-ups, I don't think anyone's had ideal build-ups this year with, like, COVID and things like mm. that, but um and various injuries and and illnesses but it was uh yeah it it was a weird one in terms of it felt very easy to actually do in the end so I don't know what we were doing wrong for so many years that it felt so difficult to actually try and succeed at it but it kind of felt it yeah like it just kind of went very smoothly and and without a hitch so it it was a very strange feeling but, but I guess um, you and you yeah, know you and Nathan individually had performed so well, you know, in the in those individual yeah. races. Like you must have been brimming with confidence and just so excited to to see what you could lay down as a team. That that yeah. probably played a part of it, part in it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think with both Nathan and myself, we're probably a little bit surprised. I certainly was. I don't know about Nathan, but I was a little bit surprised after the middle distance because I'd had a bad. I felt like I'd had a terrible run, but had still come in second. So I was like, well, okay, well, must be moving all right. And then the long distance, um, I felt dreadful. And then despite a kind of second half 
collapse physically, I still managed to win it. So I was like, wow, yeah, going, you know, going, going pretty well. Better go and roll the dice and felt relative, you know, relative confident if we had a gap or anything like that, that no one was going to, not that no one was going to catch me, but that I could you know, fight it out with anyone who would be on that last leg. So yeah, like you say, there's a lot of confidence, I think, through, through all of us that we're in the right place physically and mentally and just kind of go and get it done and ticked off and, uh, and do the do job at hand. That being said, as people will hear in the interview of Luca, I was not as calm as he <laughs> he will portray himself as. Yep. I was a lot more stressed yep. than he was. So uh, still some work to do there, I think. Mm. Mm. My, I mean, the JK is, was coming close to be one of one of my my big highlights since the last podcast. Um, just to be back on the commentary again with so many people was so much fun, and we also won our. Um, I was only doing the shorts, but we did win the shorts, which I was still very, very excited win. about. I, overnight, because of certain people having COVID, my team went for went from, you know, a pretty decent team, but we probably weren't going to win any medals, to, oh my gosh, we probably should win this. Like, suddenly the team completely changed, and then the expectations were so different, and I just thought... Okay, now's your moment, Catherine. First leg on the relay. You've been wanting to do this for a while. Now you just all need to like pull it together. Don't make a mistake and don't disgrace yourself. Come back in the leading pack. And I actually did, so I was quite pleased with myself yeah. there. Um yeah. but my 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 top highlight is there's been a lot of selections that have come out um for various junior races, we've got selections for um, the Junior World Championships. We've got the Junior European Cup. We've got uh, European Youth Champs. We've got so many J Ross tours. Goodness me, we are fit to bursting with J Ross tours this, um, this uh, summer. Lack and Leah, D side, a new tour to Czech Republic, Gothenburg, Stockholm as well. That, but my um, personal highlight is seeing my athlete that I am personal coach for. Um, Josie getting her first ever GB call up for the Euro European Youth Champs at her first opportunity. So, just I knew she'd done really well in the selection races, but still, it's you never quite know what's going to happen with the selectors and no. until you see your name, until you see that name on that on that um, web page or on that email. You're never really quite sure what's going to happen. So, I'm very very proud of what her. I'm proud of her to kind of make it to she's going to be running in a gb vest very exciting very exciting that's a cool moment it's very, very cool. i actually hadn't realized that those selections had come out so that's bad of me. um <laughs> there's loads so, i mean there's loads of congrats, congrats to, to honestly to everybody who's who's made that and to those who were close and just missed out then you know there's still lots to fight for and um you know it's really exciting to see those juniors performing really well um, I think we better we better move on then to our main um, interview of the podcast. It is, of course, with Luca Basse, and we really had to start by doing a proper deep dive into what his whole two meter winning experience was like. We're going to start actually by uh, by going back a couple of weekends to Tiamila and Luca. You were on the winning team for OK Line at Tiamila, first time it's been held for two years now. Um, and yeah, I guess your your reaction, I guess first of all to OK Line winning. I think it was the first ever Tiamila, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I think the actually OK Line is a is a gathering of two clubs. Uh, that existed before and and they kind of merged uh, 30 years ago maybe or so I guess the clubs those two clubs had won it before somehow in the 70s or 60s or I have no idea but okay. Ocoline, it was the first one for Ocoline so that that felt oh, great fantastic yeah. yeah yeah and which leg were you running at it you were I was ninth, running ninth? ninth leg yeah the second last yeah, yeah. so and and that's obviously happening in the daylight. So just could you tell us a little bit about your preparations for it? Obviously, it's not been held for a couple of years. How did the team set up the relay and what was the strategy? Yeah, so, um, I mean, we've had the same same core of team for maybe five, six years now. And we've had some some good some good team, but we never, yeah, we never performed 
great all the way. Like uh, we, were, I think we were super close to win on in eighteen in Nineshaven, where we had yeah one or two legs uh, that went quite bad after the long nights there, and yeah we. So we it felt that we had the potential to win this and but never really made it. So I think last year when uh, we ran super bad at Yukola, that it was kind of a, a wake up call and all of us were like, okay, now we can't continue being so bad. I mean, both both our our performances but also the our attitude was not was not great. So I think it was all of us started to think, okay, maybe we need to do something more and and uh, our teammate slash coach uh, Matt Stroeng slash mentor also I could say uh, decided to take a bigger role in the coaching uh, yeah in the coaching role in the for Ocoline and he started to try to structure a bit the mental preparation or we started to uh, maybe change a little bit our approach towards towards relays and yeah we've had uh, in the past we we've like Ah, we, it, it, it has always been more individualities trying to um, to do great performances uh, instead of having uh, ten runners doing average races, and so I think it has it has worked partly, but but out of ten ten runners, there's always one that can't perform at his best, and so yeah, that was different different approach this year with much more relaxed, I think, and much more, mm. yeah focused on okay doing doing the job like not doing more but uh but doing the job and so then we had throughout the winter we had a couple of of meetings online where we kind of defined our philosophy or strategy and yeah tried not to overdo it and and we had two training camps two training weekends in uh in Erebro where Timila was uh was going to be held so that's uh yeah I think it was a strong, strong preparation, but yeah, still you, you need to to perform on D Day. So uh, yeah, and about about the team selections, uh, yeah, we had a couple of of relay weekends uh, in the spring where yeah, the runners could could try to show their potential, and I think we had a super good weekend in uh, in around Easter. At uh, in Stiktom Takavlan and uh, Kolmoskavlan, in the region of uh, North Shopping and and there we we yeah we realized okay we we can raise the table so maybe we have a chance this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. So then, with with the mental preparations, the changes there, then were you already thinking about which legs you were going to run at those winter training camps, or was that only decided after the Easter weekend? No, it was it was decided quite late actually but okay when we i think we started really at least for for as far as i'm concerned I, we went in camp in barbate uh, in spain in uh, in march beginning of march and that's that's where we really started to okay think about details like okay what what could the team be who could be in the team and and then of course we started the discussions but it was not earlier than this and and then i yeah I think it was it became quite fast clear which which leg I would run or I wouldn't run and uh, yeah we decided quite early that that it was probably going to be day for me daylight so either 9th or 10th leg and and it yeah as soon as Lucas Leland uh, got the green light to run the the long night so uh, so it was between uh, Albin and me on the two last legs and uh, and we decided to yeah, to decide at the last moment who was feeling in the best shape, and yeah, I think Albin has had a little bit better winter than me, and he he was strong uh, throughout the winter, so yeah, he got he got the last leg, and I was I was super happy with this. Uh, the ninth leg uh, suited me super well, a bit shorter, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's <laughs> what I like. <laughs> you didn't have Gustav chasing you down as well for Ex- exactly for that's, a, that's much minutes. better feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it sounds it's a really relaxed approach then if you're deciding last minute you know who's going to be running the last leg because sometimes in the winters like you said with Lucas Leland running long night that's decide you know they've got one person who's only training for that for the whole winter that's quite a, a no, quite nice yeah, approach I, I, I think he, he got to know it uh, maybe one month one and a half months before it was not it was not okay. decided if he would run night or not uh, 
So mm. I, I, the roads were not were not so fixed uh, throughout the winter, and I think, of course, some runners knew they would run probably night. I think Rasmus Andersson that that uh, eventually yeah. ran the third leg. He knew it would be uh, either third or fifth or yeah night. But but some some others have different different possibilities maybe and yeah. But for for me, I think it was it was. I had in mind running one of the two last legs. That's that's the ones I I prefer and I feel most most comfortable with. This despite me having run a little bit more night training since I moved to Sweden uh, two years ago. But uh, yeah, I f- I feel more comfortable uh, in the, uh, at daylight. I also have a quite bad experience from Tiumila to 2019, uh, where I, yeah, <laughs> kind of. Uh, destroyed not destroyed our chances but i lost five six minutes in a green area uh, quite early in the relay so yeah that's that's still something i think about from now on (laughs) okay (laughs) that does stay with you i think some of those relay mistakes yeah (laughs) so then when, when you're going into that final day and the hours before the relay what were the kind of tactics you guys agreed for for your position of where you were looking to go out on the leg and and, and how you were going to approach it, if you if you can share that, I mean, maybe you yeah, want to keep no, it a but, secret. No, but now that I think about it, on every previous relays, we've always we've always gone through the table around the table and and talked about okay, what which tactic everyone has on on their specific leg, but this year we didn't do it, and uh, yeah, I think it was okay. we yeah we we had our philosophy from from the. Um, from the winter and all we had been talking about being much more relaxed, not trying to, not trying to run perfect, trying to do the minimum work that is enough. Like the, yeah, how could you say it? Least uh, acceptable effort. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. not more. And and this we I think all of us had it in mind, and so we didn't have to really go through uh, specific legs altogether. So. Um, yeah, I think it was it was super nice because then you, yeah, of course everyone then prepared uh, as they want, uh, go through scenarios in their head or some maybe try to visualize or, but at at least at this year I I think it was super relaxed and I just yeah I just wanted to to see how the relay would develop and then then adapt my strategy in the last in the last minutes or in the last last hour when you wake up. Uh, Mm. And and when I woke up, then it I could see that it was going super well, and that the, the team was in the lead, and so, uh, or at least not far from the lead. So, uh, yeah, it's at least for me, I was I was kind of quite relaxed, and and the strategy was just to to run a stable race, not mm. not take any risks. Uh, yeah, that's that's actually that's also easy to do when when you don't have the responsibility of winning the relay or uh, so so for me it was a perfect situation okay starting with the lead just just focusing on not losing time and uh, and this i need, i know how to do if i focused hard enough it's a uh, it's it's just a question of focus i guess uh, i felt that the terrain suited me well and that i kind of I kind of knew what to do. I had super big respect for this this slope that we started the uh, yes. we started the course in. I two days ago we we had been in the most maybe the most extreme uh, part of one of the training maps, like just slope, uh, stone fields slope, <laughs> super super diffuse. <laughs> so that it was maybe not the the best session to to get self confidence or but at least. I think all of us got super much respect for the terrain and and it yeah I think it helped us to okay to to realize or at least to identify which which legs would be tricky down there and and then knowing you should you should have extra focus attacking those controls mm. so uh, yeah I was uh, of course it's easy to to look back at it and say that you were super relaxed maybe I was nervous and maybe I would have felt completely differently if it had gone wrong but yeah now I can say that just yeah I was very sure. focused on my on my technical performance more than the result yeah. or so that that was great mm. no that's a very refreshing thing to hear, I think as well, because 
I know me personally, because it had been a couple of years since Tumila and the pressure of it and the everyone around and the runners and and the and especially on the first leg, I was quite nervous about being back in that environment. But it sounds like you were just to go out in there and do the job and get back and have some breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> it would, yeah. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's been super nervous for me before, Tumila. I've had years where mm. I especially this year in 2019 when I was running night and I I mean I, I was 28 uh, back then and I, I knew that I was a good orienteer but still it was like I was I was terrified before the race not, not knowing if I would if I would make it and and I've, I think it's I don't know why it's like this I mean the nervousness get, gets much bigger than at a world champ for example or it's there's something with this race that is it uh, that makes it special it's Maybe it's running for the for the team, but you also do it at in, at, at relays, normal relays. Maybe it's also because there's this night factor, and yeah, this maybe there's something also a bit magical or mystical. I don't know that that makes it, yeah. Well, it's tense. quite an <laughs> unusual situation because you're you know you're a team, you're training together so much that even in a national team is not quite the same, and it's such a big team that you don't want to you know you don't want to mess up you don't want to mess up for that whole team and you feel like there's a big responsibility i can see why it's nerve-wracking yeah yeah no it's that's true and and it it's this it's the case at all level i mean everyone the one running the first leg the one running a small leg short short leg in the night and that's a yeah no matter what what role you have in the team it's it gets nervous and and that Mm. that's very surprising i guess I, i i'd like to know what's how the the most ex- experienced runners in the field think. I mean, I don't know Daniel Hummann or those yeah. those guys that are he's older and have run. Maybe <laughs> I I hope he's nervous. That would that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> it would make be, me uh... feel more more okay. I <laughs> always Kratom think nerves are good though. There's um the I coach a junior at the moment who's 16, and I know that if she's nervous, she's gonna have a good run. If she's not nervous, that's when I'm worried. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. That so would, I think uh, if you're not nervous, helps, yeah. I'm, there's something wrong with you or something. <laughs> yeah. But I'm interested to yeah. know, so if you're doing leg number nine, what does that mean for your routine? When do you plan to get up? Like, when do you eat? When do you go to sleep? If you're running, you know, the early hours of the morning, just as it's got light. Mm, the the good thing with, with leg number nine is that it's late enough for you to sleep at least a couple of hours. That's not the case if you're in, if you're in long night, for example, when you, mm. I don't know, you start when it's it's one o'clock or, or midnight, and yeah, then you have to go to the arena at ten. Or I, I'm not a good sleeper. I can I can't sleep super super early. So, uh, yeah, I, at least with those those this night uh, nine leg ninth leg or tenth leg, you you can sleep a little bit, and so now now I slept super good actually uh, from ten to two. That was a four-hour long night, super good, <laughs> and uh, I I was super happy. I I mean, for me, the the most important part of the routine is not to look at at any live before going to bed. This is a uh, yeah. This I've realized that if I start looking at yeah, watching the the start or looking at split times or live results, then it's then the the excitement will grow directly and and it's it's super hard for me to uh super hard for me to sleep so now i just yeah i went to bed at nine i had eaten at quite early at uh, maybe six thirty or or seven went to bed at nine switch off the the light at at ten or a bit before ten slept quite quite immediately and and woke up at two fifteen and and switch on switch on my phone and look at the live results. <laughs> then I allow myself to do this. <laughs> and, it's and it's just great, fingers it's crossed a... that no one's mispunched. A fu- um? Fingers crossed that no one's missed yeah. a control. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It Which happened, nearly actually. happened on the first leg. Yeah, <laughs> it has happened. Yeah, yeah. I heard that. I heard that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Hopefully, hope, uh, fortunately, I didn't. I didn't have to experience that. <laughs> yeah. <Oof>. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. And then do you have a, you know, you've woken up at quarter past two, you have a bit of food, try and warm up and then head out to the arena. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you just uh, uh, a quick breakfast 
and then taking the car going to driving to the arena and and there the first thing i do is yeah going to the tent asking asking how how it went to run as i uh, i meet there and then i usually go go for a walk on the arena and try to kind of yeah see where everything yeah when you should get in the the team team area when you should read out or yeah check and clear your SI and stuff like this like not not to be not to be stressed when when I'm when I'm warming up yeah so I so I do this uh, right away when I come to the arena uh, after having passed by the, the club tent and usually I'm I'm there a little bit more than one hour before my start maybe one yeah 90 minutes and I, I do a normal warm-up, like, uh, yeah, 30, 30, 35 minutes before my start. And of course, in relays, you don't really know. It's it's quite hard to know how exactly when you'll, when you'll head out in the forest. So, uh, yeah, it's you have to be a bit flexi- flexible with your with your warm-up routine. But, uh, yeah, quite... Yeah, th- this year well, it felt super good, at least, the, the warm-up. And its legs were, were light. And I actually feel quite often good uh when i warm up during the night it's i've i've very seldom had uh, bad feelings while yeah while running timila or yukola but maybe it's also the adrenaline that makes it, it makes it easier i don't know it's uh, maybe i work we're good on this slight nervousness uh yeah so yeah that's that's basically no no major changes compared to a to a normal race by daylight or by at a decent Except hour you've of the done day. it on four hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's also crazy how I mean if I if I would wake up at two o'clock tomorrow to do whatever, go to work or take a plane or then I would be destroyed uh, the first couple of hours. But when you alarm, uh, well, yeah, when it's time to wake up before before a big relay, then you're completely awake directly. That's at least I at least I am. There's no problem to get out of bed, and there's this. You feel it in your in your stomach that something is gonna happen. So, uh, it's you, you don't feel you don't you don't feel the lack of of sleep or the the short night of sleep, at least. Yeah, you feel it later, <laughs> in the be, in the beginning or in the end of the morning when it's uh yeah, when the tension starts to uh, to go down and and it's time to leave the arena, then then you realize okay now I'm, now I'm dead and you have to drive home. <laughs> yes, not a good combo. When all the celebrations have wound up and you've had done yeah, all your photos exactly. and you've spoken yeah. to all the media and then, <laughs> and then it kind of winds down, yeah. yeah. But what about your race itself? Like, do you, you know, a couple of weeks now, have you managed to reflect on how it went? Yeah, uh, so I've, I've looked a lot at GPSs and, and results and... Uh, and uh, and it was actually a super super good race. Um, when I look back at it, I had, I had one, one control towards the end when I when I kind of lost direction, not control but lost direction and and lost maybe thirty seconds. But otherwise, I was I was in full control throughout throughout the race, and it was, yeah, it was, actually a, a super nice course. I enjoyed myself uh, all the way. Um, I was a bit scared before before my start that we would go in quite easy parts or quite much track running or but we actually went quite much into into this detailed technical slope so that was that was quite intense orienteering already from the beginning and and I enjoyed myself super much I I started to get a, a little bit behind the FK Jotoborg and and two of the teams Tampere and Pirinte and Sudetelianik Vorn and and I after two controls I had caught up with a uh, Hoval Eitzmo from uh, from EFK, and we ran together for a couple of controls. Like it was, qu- yeah, quite stable orienteering and uh, not not crazy high pace, but yeah, comfortable and an enjoyable pace actually. And then after the seventh or eighth control, I don't remember, and I realized that that he wasn't there anymore, and I didn't know if he had missed or if he had went to a, if he had been to another control. Or, but then I realized, okay, now I'm on my own and. And that's an opportunity. I'm I'm quite sure he's not in front at least. So let's take this opportunity and and try to orient you as good as I can. And uh, and from then on, I was super focused in not making any mistake. 
So that was uh, that was not really optimizing my my roots. That was more like okay, not losing time. And I was I was super focused. I oriented well, and um, yeah, it was super good feeling. It's uh, it's quite cool to know that you're in the in the lead um, of the Emila. I, I, at least I, I couldn't be 100% sure, but I, I had this feeling that it was going so well that it was basically no chance that someone would have run away from me. So I was like, okay, I have a chance of making something good out of it. So uh, let's not waste it. And and the good thing was that it was not a stress. It was more like an incentive to concentrate. Um, that's so that that was a cool feeling. It's sometimes it's the opposite that happens. It's like okay, oh yeah, yeah fuck, I'm, I can't miss that. I sh- I shouldn't miss. I shouldn't miss. Now it was more like okay, yeah, I have a good situation or a good uh, good situation. Let's make the best out of it, and that that was super cool. At some point, I I missed a track that I was I had planned to to take a very small track, and uh, so it, I didn't lose any time on this. I just continued and I said okay. Now you didn't follow your plan 100%. That's a wake up call. You don't do it anymore during this during this course, and that yeah, that was super cool. Then I yeah, I missed uh, towards the end this on, on this long leg, drifted drifted a little bit too much to the right, but that was the only problem. And and then all my controls I could I could find. Okay, the control the flag is gonna is gonna be right there, and it was that was cool. <laughs> you can really tell like you've got the right. It was the right mindset for you to be in at that during that race because so many of those times you could nearly make a mistake and then it all goes wrong because you you go you do exactly what you said and you go oh I must find the control but no whenever you're stressed you go right now I need to orienteer the best yeah. I can do and just fall back on all the techniques and all the things that you know you can do that yeah. are the fundamentals of orienteering. Yeah, exactly. And I also had this um, this thought at some point that okay, if if they catch me up, then they catch me up. It's not it's not uh, it's mm. not a drama. It's not a catastrophe. So yeah, of course I knew that if if I don't miss, then they shouldn't catch me up. But at the same time, if they do, that's not a problem. We still we still still in, probably in the lead of the relay, or and and then I have a good teammate. Uh, running after me, a stable teammate that is in good shape. So yeah, it was like, okay, I don't, I don't have this responsibility of winning at all costs. I just, I just need to orient good and, and then we'll see what happens. And I, I think that's, um, I've had this feeling before on some relays or some, some individual races, but now I guess this, this philosophy that we've had and this, yeah, this thing of, of, uh, Agreeing that we should do a ninety percent performance, not 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 one hundred percent or what not one hundred ten percent, that that gave me super much uh, confidence and and calmness. Mm. And uh, and I could experience that and that, but I guess uh, Albin on the last leg, he didn't he didn't feel the same. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> he may have had a bit more stress. Yeah. I, I was going I'm, to say I'm you must have had then. more stress as well then you punch the finish you hand over and then the stress starts because <laughs> were yeah, you watching in the arena uh, it's it's the stress started uh, only after 15 minutes maybe I was sitting in the in this uh, this small house where the, the English commentators uh, were and and then they asked me uh, different questions but we were also looking at the yeah the TV production and and when I was talking with them when Albin punched the first uh, TV control, and I was also with them when Gustav punched the first TV control, and I I know that I had yeah almost three minute lead in the in the finish, and when I saw that uh, that Gustav Berman was one twenty behind after what was it twelve minutes or fifteen minutes of running, then I was oh, okay, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be hard. Yeah, <laughs> it was that. Then I, I was. Uh, that was kind of an anti climax from going from super happy about one's performance and having feeling that okay, now we ha- we've had uh, we've have uh, we've had super good situation to to finally win this. To okay, oh shit, this gap got super small all of a sudden, and <laughs> it's not sure at all that we'll make it. So uh, from there, then it started to be to be stressful. 
but uh, yeah, then I didn't. I went change clothes, and so it it takes yeah it takes a little bit of time. So you're you're not, or at least I was not uh, looking at the big screen all the, for for seventy minutes. Fortunately, because uh, I'm not sure I would have coped with that. <laughs> <laughs> and and then towards the end, uh, it was it was too nervous. It was uh, it was cool, but yeah, tough at the same time. Sometimes I just went for for a walk far away from the big screen, not, not to have or to gain time, kind of. When when <laughs> took a couple of time to the toilets, the, just to escape, escape from the, from the tension and. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was close to uh, Oscar Hoberg, my, my my teammate that ran the the sixth leg, and at some point he said, uh, "Yeah, I'm leaving the, it's the, yeah, the best time of my life and the worst at the same time." <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of cool. Because <laughs> you can't just disappear. You've got to be there for when he comes yeah, back, yeah. and in the and you know to hopefully then all run up the running together and um, yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, I was th- this these last ten minutes were were crazy. Like when you start to realize, okay, that's we're getting closer and closer to this win, but at the same time, there's a there's a big chance that something happens that Gustav runs super good or that Albins makes makes a small mistake. And yeah, it's a it's super super strong feelings. I think I think I hadn't expected that winning Tiamila would be that emotional compared to yeah getting good results at at World Champs or anything. It's uh, and I think the scenario made made it made it even better now with not realizing that that it would happen until the very end. Uh, yeah, I was that was really crazy. It's, I mean, the whole team must be so emotional and getting that confidence and that celebration that you can feel as a team and take forwards into whatever you're gonna do next. It must be incredible. Yeah, it's it's incredible that it's a. Uh, it's it's kind of it's 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 a sign that works pays off. But at the same time, it also I mean everyone works, so it's it's you can't really say that that we deserve it more than anyone else. It's just it's it feels so nice that that finally it's it's your team, Ila, and that that you've done it yourself, and that's yeah that's that's great, and that you, that you share it with other people that are that are so happy, and also that. Yeah, what what was great was also that everyone we saw in the arena was so happy for us too. So uh, of course they were probably disappointed disappointed teams, but yeah, we got so much good feedback and so that's uh, yeah that's such a reward when uh, when you win this and and everyone's so happy for you and yeah that's uh, that was great. How does this compare? How does Team Miller and the whole Team Miller experience compare to running relays for France? Because you are very experienced at doing that and have been very successful. I think is it four world champs medals for for France for in the relay, in the forest relay. Um, but the two must be quite different experiences. Yeah, it's it's not the same. It's a. Uh, of course, my my teammates in the French team are also friends, and it's uh, it's fantastic to run the relay with them. It's a. Uh, it's just that the. Um, I think work world champs is uh, is is quite serious. It's a uh, it's quite uh, it's quite important, and and you kind of expect expect the performance somehow. It's um, you're super happy to perform when you when you win a medal or or anything, but it's not it's not exactly the same thing. I I've been super happy when when we've won won those medal with the French team and especially. All of them were great. Uh, now it was it was different because it's also you're also running with people that maybe are not in the in the national team, or that, yeah, that maybe won't ever get uh, medals at at world champs. And at the same time, it's it's the most important thing for them, winning Team Mila. It's it, this is the biggest thing, and and I guess um, I guess Team Mila has a I don't know an, an emotional. Uh, it's it's really hard to describe. It's 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 different, and it's it's nice. And and this Tiamila was just probably the strongest thing I've I've uh, experienced emotionally. That doesn't mean that it's for, that it's the biggest achievement. Uh, I still consider that, that winning uh, winning a world champs is is bigger, of course. 
but but emotionally that was stronger than when I I got my medals at at World Champs. So when I got the 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 silver medal at the middle distance in in Scotland, that was a very big surprise for me. It was super fun. It was it was also a very emotional, but I, there were not as many tears that they were <laughs> in our eyes uh, at this team. So that, that was cool. That was cool to, um, to realize that, that you can experience such things also at some other competitions than international competitions. Do you think that middle race in Scotland was your best individual race? Like it was best in terms of results, but do you think it was... Um, really good in terms of performance and technique as well yeah i actually think i haven't i haven't done that many races like this i i've had such races at, at maybe in, comp- in smaller competitions or but that's that's definitely the best performance i've had uh, in a yeah in in a world champ race Maybe you could compare the compare it with the the relay at the the world champs in norway where I also run a very good race, but uh, yeah, no, I I think this this race in in Scotland is is still the best performance I've I've ever run on the middle distance. Yeah, it's a uh, and yeah, there I also got this this impression of controlling almost everything I did, not not having any doubts throughout the race, and and it's it's quite cool when it happens. <laughs> yeah, really, really cool. Uh, I guess you have some fond memories of then of Scotland and um, coming over to the UK uh, and doing all of that. I would you. Um, I, I'm interested. You know, a lot of your achievements have been in the forest, and um, so I'm interested in what you think of uh, the fact that this year is the first ever sprint only World Championships. Um, what is your focus like? this year what are you focusing on what are your main kind of goals for the international season mm. um yeah i'm i'm i really don't know if this uh, split work is a good is a good solution or not i i tend to think that i preferred the previous the previous system i i liked it that last year in last year in czech republic was a was a normal work um but i i really like sprint and and i want to give it a go uh this year for for the world championship in denmark uh the thing is i i don't believe in my chances to uh to to win a medal individual at least so so i don't have dreams for this year as i would as i would do if it was a forest work so that, i think that that makes a different difference in my uh, yeah in my mindset or in my my way of approaching the competitions but at the same time i really want to try to perform as as good as i can in in a sprint and i think it's it's quite cool i see it as a as an opportunity to do things differently and and also to to focus only on sprints which is something i've never done so um so i think it's it's kind of cool but yeah, the main, main difference is that they yeah i maybe don't don't believe in in my chances and that's that that makes a big difference so but still still world champs is the is the biggest goal for the year and then yeah then european champs comes comes next but uh, it's ju- there's just one month transition period so it's i find it quite complicated to to be performing also directly after that so yeah we'll see the the main the main goal is actually uh, work in switzerland next year that's that's where I dream of of doing something great, mm-hmm. but uh, I look I'm looking forward to the co- this year's competitions either oh too yeah. So you're saying that yeah your your year is a bit different maybe your preparations I guess are a bit different if you're if you know that the it's a sprint world championship so how has that been reflected in your training over like this winter and into the spring and which competitions you've been doing. And the the thing is that I I've still been willing to uh, to be prepared for uh, for forests, uh, especially for Tiumila. That was the the main forests goal of the of the spring. So I I haven't s- stopped running in the forests, but uh, I think the main difference is that I've I've run much less orienteering. I I mean forest orienteering, 
throughout the winter. I've um, I've cut down on on night or not night trainings, but those those night cups uh, that that we usually run here in uh, in Gothenburg or in Sweden. Those ones I haven't been super motivated to run, so uh, it's yeah I've I've been running basically less forests and a bit more um, gravel roads or or flat, but uh, I haven't changed so much so much things basically i've run maybe a bit more threshold sessions uh quite often doing uh double sessions during the same day uh which is something popular right now in scandinavia at least uh so so i've done i've done it uh maybe yeah four to five uh, threshold sessions uh, a week and less orienteering and my plan was to do a bit more a bit more sprints training also also during the winter but that, that didn't really yeah go as planned i i got a little bit of of small uh, injuries or and it was quite complicated to to get good good sprint trainings arranged so so yeah i i didn't do as much as i wanted but uh but now uh now that tumila has passed and then the focus is 100 percent on urban orienteering mm. And we've got uh, the first World Cup rounds uh, coming up really shortly. Are you doing all of the uh, races in that? Yeah, that's uh, that's the plan. I'm selected for all races, and that's a. Uh, it almost feels like a, a home World Cup because yeah. Boros it's just down Boros the road. Is, yeah, fifty kilometers away from Gothenburg, so uh, yeah, we we'll, we we'll feel a bit weird not to uh, yeah not to have a longer longer way to go <laughs> to compete and but uh yeah it will be a first individual sprint and then the knockout and the sprint relay so uh yeah looking forward for this i i've been i've started uh how do you say dry training or yeah the planning routes and oh we call it geeking and geeking okay yeah i i know i say i know that some the danes call it dry training at least okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> Geeking, but the geeking has started here. Ah, yes. So you're you're looking at all the maps. <laughs> you're doing as much on like uh, Google Street View or something else. All of those kind of things. Do you have like? Yeah. Do you ha- think you will have a preference for those three races? Do you think you'll have a favorite for the individual, like the no- classic sprints, the knockout sprints, or the sprint relay? It's um, it's hard to answer this because I I think my my preferences are, are shifting. It, it's, it's. I think I started to like the. Yeah, I I really liked knockout in the beginning, and and now lately that the, the last two years we've we've got a a more competitive team on the on the sprint relay and I've I've started to uh, to realize that, that that I like this a lot so uh, no I I really I don't really have a, a favorite distance I I think I like them all and right now maybe the my main focus would be on the sprint relay I would say. Yeah, but you, uh, you seem yeah, like you seem like you're a relay man through and through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I, I like relays for sure. I think the yeah running for some someone else than you and and having to having to add good performances uh, to to the others is is very exciting. Well, I, I know the British I, w- the British team would rather they'd take a. A sprint relay medal over an individual medal any day. They take a relay medal over an individual. Well, mostly they like. It might depend on the athlete. It might. De- <laughs> <laughs> I certainly would like that because it's more achievable. But <laughs> but, they, but there's such a thing about because orienteering for so much of the year is an individual sport. I do genuinely think that so many orienteers get to a relay and they really wants to do something as a team because so much of it is individual do you think yeah the, yeah that's that's true with maybe that's we don't have this team uh, aspect uh, most of the most of the year not at training not at compi- not at competition so that that makes it makes it a special thing that you don't you don't experience every day so maybe it's this this the fact that it's so special that makes it uh, even better but i don't think i would i would take a sprint relay medal before um, a middle distance or uh, yeah middle distance gold medal I, yeah. I don't think I would pick that first but uh, I still think that the actually that the sprint relay medal is as less status than than the individual sprints mm. I, I don't know why I think it's just because it's so new and that's 
that it's been out of the picture for us for for so long then I haven't considered it as a as valuable metal as the others but yeah. I, I think it's I think it's 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 changing both in my mind and also in maybe in other people's mind mm. but, uh, I, and with that how do you feel about the knockout is that just kind of not on even on the radar then for the same I level or I think it's it's super cool with knockout uh, to race it. I also quite often I'm also quite often disappointed after after the race. Not on, on my on my performance, but maybe of the course or on the fact that it's been too much running or that that the route choices hasn't be, haven't been decisive. So um, yeah, I. I think it's still a discipline that is that is under development, and and that we need we need to learn how to race it. We need to how to learn how to organize it properly, how to uh, advertise it or how to broadcast it. So it's a it's still a new discipline, and yeah, I do, I don't think the what the, the the runner that wins the knockout at World Champs is the best orientee in the world. But but he. He or she is strong, <laughs> super strong, <Yeah. laughs> and and has great cap- capacities. But it, I still think that the the orienteering uh, moment in 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 the knockout is is a bit less uh, important than all, in all the other di- in all the other distances. Yeah. But uh, but I I love oh, I love great. racing it. I think it's super super cool. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, oh, and it's it, great the, fun. Yeah, it's certainly it's just a fun. different super... set of skills that you need to win, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But yes, it does mean people question, like, does that mean the best orienteer has won? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's the best orienteer winning knockout, but but maybe it's it's the best knockout sprinter. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's, uh, yeah. I've got one more question, I think, for you, which is, um, like, what do you see your role? is on the French team amongst all the runners you've got lots of kind of young runners coming through getting experience you're someone who has had that success as part of the team and as an individual do you try and like work with those new runners and help them out it's it's a bit difficult now that I'm I live abroad and I'm I'm not there on a regular basis Uh, this year I haven't taken part to any any camp in France, mm. so it's it's um, I think it's difficult for me to have uh, this this mentor approach uh, towards new runner. I think uh, yeah. I think the most of the runners have see me as an old guy now. <laughs> <laughs> this my yeah. I'm I'm thirty one and and I guess I, that makes that makes me an old guy. I'm quite often one of the oldest so. Uh, Fortunately, uh, Frédéric Tranchant is still is still around some every now and then, and is <laughs> is a bit older than me. And Vincent Cooper is also there, but I, I'm for sure one of the most experienced. And I think maybe m- my role is to to uh, show the runners that it's it's possible to uh, to reach really good results uh, coming from France and coming from a yeah a country where the density of runners is maybe not the biggest and that, that everyone has a chance. And uh, of course, I try to give to give tips when or interviewing tips when uh, if if some runners are, yeah, are, are willing to get some. But I, I don't really like uh, teaching or I, I don't think I have so much to uh, to teach other people. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm available if if the French runners are there, but I I I'm mostly keen in uh, having fun with them and making them making them willing to come back to the French team and and have fun on some on competitions. So uh, yeah, I yeah. I think that's I don't a good I don't ha- I don't have any role any, any technical role or anything. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's a I don't take this role at least. I, I also I also have teammates much younger than me that are that are much better at at the geeking part or at at setting course courses or. I'm I'm not one, I'm not the best uh, in that in that uh, at all. <laughs> I I can't say that I'm that I'm showing the way to uh, towards being more serious uh, and more prepared. That's uh, yeah. 
that's not my strongest side. Well, being serious is not everything about orienteering and evidently you can do well without being serious. <laughs> All right, that great great stuff there from from Luca. I mean, just feeling very chilled out. I feel full of confidence about my orienteering now. And then I'm just I'm just gonna go and get it. I feel like I needed him to almost do a little motivational slash relaxing speech every time I like get on the start line. It'd be good on the calm, like mental health app, wouldn't it? It'd yeah, be soothing. Yeah, it's something about the French accent and the you know just but the attitude as well. Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's nice as well that, like you were saying, that everyone was so happy for Linné mm. to do it. It's because they are a really nice, like they're all a really nice bunch of guys, and they've come so close in the last few years. And breaking um, EFK Göteborg's dominance as well, mm. if they were looking for four in a row, um, you know, excluding the year that obviously, or the couple of years that got skipped out. So um, that was it. Was kind of nice to see, not nice, you know, yeah, well, yeah, it was. Actually. It was kind of nice <laughs> to see lie, that streak Will. get broken. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Because I mean, they're just such a strong club as well. Yeah. So they, I think their second team was up in the, it, it, the Josh Dudley actually Josh, performance of the weekend from the Brits. I think is either Alan Cherry or Josh Dudley because Josh Dudley on second leg smashed it. He had a phenomenal run. I think it was on their their second team was head of the first mm. team for a while. Um, so it was, it was cool that Linné could just you know get over the line, um, stay ahead of Gustav as well. Mm. So uh, a bit of kind of local, not quite local rivalry, but relatively local rivalry. So that was a. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. And then we've got to look ahead to big, big first, first kind of big international competition on a, on a national team kind of scale that's coming up. So it's the first round of the World Cup. There are three rounds of the World Cup um, coming up. Um, we've got, we'll start with Sweden. Then we've got, um, they've got the World Champs. Then we've got the second round, which is also the European Championships. That's in Estonia. And then the World Cup final this year is in Switzerland. So these races, and it's going to be very, very strange going to Sweden for a World Cup and there not be any forest races there at all. It is all sprint races. Yeah. Um, we're going to a town called Borås, which is very close to Gothenburg. And um, are you looking forward to it, Will? Yeah, no, I am. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. sound very convincing there, do you I? You really yeah, don't. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> A few days off work, it's great. Um, yeah, no, absolutely looking forward to it. It's going to be... It's, I didn't do any internationals last year, obviously, for various reasons. Um, and it's going to be quite... It's going to be weird going back into the bubble because I haven't done an international since 2019 now. Mm. So it's going to be a bit of a... You know, a bit of two and a half years. So um, it's, it's going to be a very cool experience to be back in that, racing head to head with people. Um, yeah, just kind of looking forward to getting stuck into it, to be honest, because it's going to be... An interesting experience, I think, because I think there will be a bit of forest. Mm. Um, so it's going to be different sprints to the normal stuff that we've got in the UK that's coming up anyway. So, you know, British sprints or the um, Euro City races in Birmingham mm. and things like that that are coming up in June. That's obviously traditional urban uh, racing, but this is going to be you know, Scandinavian style. So for the Brits, it's a bit of a challenge anyway compared to what we're, compared to what we're used to. So... Uh, and there yeah, are huge be, teams as cool. well, just to make qualification, because there's like, I swear there's like, some of the teams have six men and six women, some of them have like nine, because they get extra places with different yeah. with different past winners. Honestly, it's like, because there's... It's going to be stacked. It, it is absolutely stacked. So just to make it into a final of anything is going to be an mm. achievement, because they there are so many runners and so many yeah. world-class runners and so many like young runners who we haven't seen yet come through the ranks and those who are going to be given this opportunity because it's a sprint race and you know there's a kind of like a, a thought that you know you can put a lot of your more ex inexperienced runners on those kind of sprint races it's going to be absolutely crazy it's going to be my first yeah. actual international also since 2019 because I haven't managed okay. to get out anywhere. So <laughs> I'm so excited to actually be back in person. It's going to make such a big difference to actually, mm. you know, getting the vibe of the area, being able to go and run some courses beforehand and just really like soak up all the atmosphere. Um, so we'll be doing uh, the live commentary that you can find via the IOF. So it's orienteering.sport for all of that. Um, and I'm really just super pumped to be back out there. So it is the individual sprint. 
the knockout sprint and the sprint relay. Those are the ones to watch out for. Yeah. And um, and knockout. It's only twelve people from each heat that go through. Ooh. So if you think about that with teams yeah. of, I'm pretty sure it's only twelve. Yeah. Teams of six. You know. It's going to be. You can only fit so many it's people. It's going to be so. It's. I think it's much harder to qualify for a final. In a world cha- in a world cup, sorry, where the team's much bigger than compared to the world champs, where even though it's all the best ones, it, the teams are much smaller, especially for especially yeah. for some of the Brits uh, who will kind of like maybe be kind of close to that edge, so close to that cutoff yeah. point. It's gonna you all the runners know they have to. You can't take it easy on the qualification because you could be ten seconds back, twenty seconds back, and you not make the cut of that final. So. Yeah. It's and really good. You saw that at Antwerp sprint meeting as well, because in the knockout qualifier there, you know, big names missed out. I think Hoopman. Yeah. Daniel Hoopman missed out in the yeah. qualifier. So uh Martin Hoopman actually. But yeah, so you've got to go full gas. Um and just gives me intent from the gun and just hope you make it through to the next round and other people screw it up or or whatever. So it's gonna be it's gonna be cool though. It's gonna be cool. And to have those sprint relays back as well, that's gonna be good fun. Three teams per nation for that, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna be busy and hectic. Um, yeah, it's not going to be a calm weekend. It's <laughs> quite a stressful one. Far from it. I it's hope you sharpen those elbows, Will, and you're really going to get out there. And um, I'm really uh, looking I'm going to get stuck it. in. Yeah, yeah. Love to hear. Team Amina was good preparation for uh, for getting stuck into pack fighting again. So that was good. Oh, and I don't know. I know you love that. You absolutely love that head-to-head racing. Like particularly of all the types of racing, that really is the one that you really like. So I'm 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 excited for you. I'm excited for you. All right, Fingers we better crossed. leave it there, I think, um for the moment and we'll kind of come and have a little reflection on uh, on that first World Cup round by the time we have the next podcast out. So we will be back soon. 